You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Yes, yes, guys, I know, I understand. I have not produced any material in three weeks. And obviously, there is a reason for that to happen. I started my new job and... As you all know, starting a new job comes with different specific circumstances. I have a new boss. I have a new hospital system. I have new nurses, new colleagues, new dynamics, new interactions with different advanced practice providers or what they call or used to be called mid-level providers. We call them APPs or APCs, Advanced Practice Clinicians. And for those that doesn't know what that is, is nurse practitioners, advanced registered nurse practitioner, or practicing advanced registered nurse, uh, many names that they call themselves, or the physician assistants that they work closely with us in the United States. And we can talk about more later on about that. So getting to know the flow, getting to know the new electronic medical record. As you guys know, here in the United States, we are using EMRs and they are proprietary in brands. And specifically, I'm working with one called Cerner, which is a little bit different than the one that I was working with and has a new different dictation system. And the dictation system has to learn my voice and has to learn my accent. So I have to train this little thing called M-Modal that is different to what I would been using called the Dragon. So you get into the microphone and you train your voice. You choose an environment that is not quiet, believe it or not. So it has to learn how to identify your voice from the background noise and is cloud-based and pretty much you have to choose what specialty you work on. So I say emergency medicine type of accent. You put Latino and Hispanic from Colombia. It's kind of crazy, but you have to choose it because he has to learn the way you speak, your accent, how you enunciate words and pronounce them. And sometimes he has some crazy, crazy mistakes in the EMR that you need to be really careful and proofread what you have just dictated. In general, it's been the EMR, getting acquainted with the nurses, with the flow, with the consultants, believe it or not, in every hospital. Everything works in a very different fashion. There is always one king or queen, a different surgeon that likes to do things differently. You have certain available services or not. So that all changes the way you practice medicine. And despite the fact that the patients don't change, the way you relate to people is remarkably different and the way they relate to you. As an emergency physician, I work really closely with many consultants 
the cardiologist, the neurologist, the internist, hospitalist, the pediatricians, the gynecologists, the obstetricians, and that all take time. It takes time for you them to learn your ways, to rely on you, to trust you, to see how you sell the patients, the admissions, and in general, nurses have to also get used to your practice style, your practice pattern, and all the things that you have learned over the years of training and medical development that you have done in your career and in your life. Well, that's a little introduction, what I call the excuse. It's not really an excuse. I've been really busy. I have traveled to Texas to visit my my business. I have an scribing business, if you are well aware. Uh, it's called Go Scribes, G-O-S-C-R-I-B-E-S. And Go Scribes is a medical scribing system that we offer primary care physicians and specialties uh, the possibility to make this uh, real-time documentation remarkably easy for you guys. So feel free to welcome uh, uh, and visit the my website at www.goscribes.com and there you can see the services we got to offer. Well, let's move forward. And today is a solo episode with no guests. I'm going to walk into what I call the experiential podcast series. And this podcast series is going to be based on my personal experience and the little nuances of what it's like to immigrate into the United States and why I'm doing this. Okay, you guys have submitted all your paperwork for the applications and all the documentations are already in the cloud at the ECFMG eras. You're anxiously waiting to see what happened. What was done is done. You have submitted click. Everything went into the cloud. You submitted your LORs. You filled that profile and your resume. You made it look uh, amazing. I suspect you check uh, for typos or grammar issues. I hope you use uh, a grammar proofreading software like Grammarly. I have no financial commitment with Grammarly, but Grammarly is working well for me, for my typing, uh, for checking my spelling and my grammar. I hope you did that. And the information is out there for the program directors, for the residency uh, program coordinator to download. And I'm just wishing you luck. And I am here also today during this week to celebrate us, to celebrate you, the foreign and international medical graduate. Why? The American Medical Association recognizes the week of October 19th through the 23rd, the IMG Recognition Week. And I'm a proud member of the American Medical Association. And one of our leaders is Ricardo Correa. He has been one of our guests. And he's extremely active advocating for us, international medical graduates, making sure that the Trump government tra- treats us fear, uh, fairly. And specifically right now, we're really fighting and advocating for visa issues. And we don't only want to make sure that we can immigrate on our J-1 and H-1 visa, but also our companions come in their J-2s and H-2 visas in the United States. And obviously, we're leaving our countries and coming to the United States to provide services in in towns of need and underserved areas, and we cannot be leaving our families behind. So 
the uh, AMA is really advocating for us and trying to to get the voice out there how important we foreign medical graduates and international medical graduates are for the United States healthcare system. And I have no agenda, but I encourage you to join the AMA or visit the AMA, be, learn about what they have to offer, what they're doing for us and our uh, crowd and our group and how they're trying to unite us. And Dr. Ricardo Correa, I should invite him soon to come and talk a little bit about the efforts of the AMA and what he has done for us as a group, uh, as a workforce in the United States. Having said that, with this recognition week from October 19th through the 23rd, uh, I want to remind you all that us, the international medical graduates, we make 26% of the United States medical workforce. It means that we're 26% of the doctors in the United States. That's a quarter. means that an American citizen or a U.S. person that walks into a healthcare institution, an emergency department, a hospital in the United States and their territories, it is extremely likely to be treated by an international medical grad. One in four, a little bit more than that, is Colombian-based, Indian-based, Pakistani, Russian, Canadian doctor that will be serving the United States population. So we are a big deal and we know that we get a chance. So it's very likely that one of every four positions in the United States will be filled during this match by foreign medical graduates. And I, I invite you to be confident, be you, and let's get motivational. I mean, you guys have done the hard work you have put very long hours, long hours into this, have invested a lot of money and time into submitting this application. I want you to be confident and relax and be certain that you're gonna get interviews. And if you get interviews, be blessed that you got one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe ten, if you're blessed. And we're gonna take them professionally and seriously. And I've been reading a new book. I've been reading a new book on Amazon Audible, and I've been in this professional, personal path of self-development, not only by learning about medicine, but other things. So this book is called No Fears, No Excuses. It's a book that takes about six and a half hours to be read. It's written by Dr. Larry Smith, who is a professor and a specialist on career advice. And he talks about how to present yourself, how to ever be evolving, and how to not only follow your passion, but uh, do what is right and, and learn to know about your niche and always be developing yourself to become a better person that is marketable and uh, will be able to be retained and, and succeed within the U.S. workforce. And... During the four hours of reading that I have done so far on this, he talked about how crucial it's about the 15-second elevator pitch. And for those that don't know, the elevator pitch is going to be very much used in these interviews and interactions that you're coming to to have within the next few months, which is... Uh, what they mean by the 15-second elevator pitch is just imagine yourself getting locked in an elevator with the program 
uh, director. I know that you won't be going in person, but just 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 think that you're going into the hospital and he comes down into the main lobby and he says, hey, Peter, uh, hello, Ravi, uh, welcome to Hospital X. I'm Dr. Murphy and today I'm going to be conducting your tour and your interviews. Let's go ahead and jump into this elevator and the door opens and you press floor number three. That's where the office of the residency programs are located at. And in those 15 seconds of awkward closeliness and connection in this small tight space, he will be asking you a simple question. So he says, hey, Ravi, how was your drive? I said, it was fantastic. And you have 15 seconds to say something meaningful, powerful that will make you stand out among the crowd. And then this author deepens more into how crucial it is to use those 15 seconds to talk about yourself, but not only people want to know about you, but about how you want to help others. And that was a very interesting tip on interviewing. I mean, they want to know about you, don't be so selfish that you only talk about yourself in a boring fashion. First of all, let me take a step back. We don't know how to talk about ourselves. We talk about other people. We talk about the sun. We talk about the, how the day went. But we don't really know how to talk about yourselves. How you really sit down in loneliness and reflect? Do you know yourself? Do you know who you are? Do you know what you bring into this life? Do you know what kind of person, man, woman, you really deeply are? If you were given a minute to talk about yourself, have you rehearsed? Have you practiced and deeply seeked the meaning of who you are? I mean, I'm not trying to get philosophical, but have you really analyzed in a minute or two what has been your life and what do you have to offer? What are the good things in your life that you have done? A few bad things. What are you strong and weak on? And what strengths you have to offer? Or somewhere, a group, the society? I think that's going to be crucial. Just do a little bit of introspection and deep, deep down into you. Do a little bit of meditation. I've been into this meditation thing that has really helped me. And, and find out. Find out so you want to have those answers ready to come out. And don't be fearful. Don't be fearful about talking about yourself. But once you talk about yourself, try to see how how that person, how that you, uh, that woman, that man, that person within yourself, your, your soul, is able to connect with others and how others can see you working and relating with other people during a residency training, during a fellowship during this whole interviewing process. We want to know what kind of person you are, what do you have to offer uh, from cross-culture experiences uh, from Europe, from Australia, from Canada, from South America, the Caribbean, and feel comfortable talking about yourself. That's what it's all about. Well, as I said, these podcasts are going to be experiential. They're going to be a little bit about this, how to bring a little bit about yourself into the picture. And these experiences are going to be based on what life has been in America for me for 20 years. From the moment that I submitted that application to the heiress 
to every little interviewing process that I went through and how I related to people, how new, fantastic, and different was exposing myself to the weather in the United States, to silly things of how to walk into a bank and open your first bank account, on how fantastic it is to receive your social security card in the mail, on how important it is to save money and put money away, in how it is going to be introduced into the life insurance business in, in the U.S., how to fill those forms for insurance in the healthcare of America that the ho hospital offers you for dental benefits, vision benefits, how it's going to be daycare managed uh, services that are offered through the hospital, other daily life things that I struggle with, how to walk into a dealership and get a car, how do you apply for credit? What does it take to build credit? It is not easy. My brother came with a worker's visa working for his company in Dallas, Texas. It took him about two years to build credit. How to do it? How to get it done? Why it is so difficult? What is a credit score? What is credit worthiness in America? How do you get a loan for a house if you decide to purchase a house? What is a mortgage? How do you apply for, for, for a credit card? How do you submit an application for a le uh, an apartment rental, a lease? It, all those little things that we foreign medical graduates have never dealt with in the American way are going to be documented in these next three or four episodes. And it's going to be a little bit of a solo conversation. And I'm going to try to make it energetic and happy. And I want you to immerse yourselves in what the process was like for me 20 years ago. And I think a few things have changed, but the essence has not really changed much. And as we move closer to episode number 50 that we're about to celebrate, I mean, it's not easy to put content and dedicate time of your personal life to do this. But the feedback has been impressive. I'm extremely thrilled. I'm extremely happy. And, and that's what I want to do through my personal experiences, make life easier for you. So you make it in America, you rent a house, you buy a car. How do you groom yourself? How do you carry yourself professional? The smells, the, the body odors. Uh, uh, let me give you an example here. The other day I was working through my new hospital and I came across this hospitalist, immigrant like me, and she had the most horrendous body odor. And she was walking through a cafeteria. I don't think she had self-awareness of her BO, body odor, uh, how stinky it was. And everybody around her was extremely disgusted by this smell of sweat and lack of cleanliness that she had going on and you can tell in her hair and her lab coat with food drippings i mean guys you don't want to be that person i mean i felt like approaching her but this was never done by her program director this was never done by her attending physician this was never brought up to her by her co-workers i bet that this is not a new thing but there is a way you carry yourself. Your white coat has to be white, pristine, clean. If you don't wear a lab coat, your dress has to be professional carry. You cannot have a dirty lab coat. 
your buttons, your pockets cannot be ripped through. Like I've seen many people carrying books and notes in their pockets, progress notes, ripped through, stains. Come on, guys, you can do better than that. Uh, wrinkle lab coats and your body odor. As I said, take a shower, wear some perfume. If you don't wear perfume, soap or whatever you use in your culture. But in America, in the U.S., and I'm not trying to, to be nasty or harsh, we have to carry ourselves in certain ways. It's all about customer service. It's about perception. It's about how you project yourself. And that's the way I want you to project yourself from the day number one. I know that right now interviews are not happening in person. But if they were, just imagine that one day you're going to be walking into a hospital facility. And I want to see the best of you out there. I felt like approaching this doctor, nothing I can do, but those little things, those little nuances, your shoes, how clean they are, your haircut, you name it. I don't know. For me, I have learned through 20 years that that's extremely important. And if you want to go up and escalate into the echelons of the medical society and your medical group and become the medical director, the chief medical officer, there's going to be a way that you need to carry yourself and speak and portray your message and use your body language to demonstrate who you really are. And this starts today. I mean, it's not only making sure that you speak proper English, that's job number one. I have not been able to get rid of my accent, but it seems that people understand me. A few things culturally sometimes come out differently and might be misperceived and I'm working at it. But it's an ever-going process. So I want you to have a fantastic interviewing process. I want you to do great. I personally just went for a job interview in Texas. I, I rocked it. It was amazing. I'm waiting to hear back from that. It's a fantastic job during this pandemic. Nothing like that has been heard of. And uh, we'll see. I'm extremely happy with my current job. And uh, we'll see what happens. I'm always seeking for what's the next best thing for my family for their education. Oh, talking about education. Yeah, finding schools in America. There is a public system. There is a private system. Uh, like anywhere in the world, education is free. If it's public, you're going to be attending school close to you, either elementary, middle school, high school, depending on how old your kids are. There's going to be a process of culturization for your kids, for your wife, you know, grocery shopping, the malls, how to obtain a driver's license, how to pay taxes. Welcome to America. You will be paying taxes. You will be getting probably a tax income return, a little check, how much the taxation will be depending on your tax bracket, on your income. What is a 401k? What is a 403b? What is a college retirement plan for your kids? What is a short-term versus a long-term disability insurance? What is... Um, Malpractice insurance, how malpractice insurance is, and how this works, uh, how the medical legal system works here in America. You know that they're going to be suing you, these attorneys. Like the way we wake up every day to take care of patients, they wake up to sue you. The other day I'm talking to an attorney, and this is kind of getting a little bit off track, but I'm talking to, because I'm, I'm getting really upset about this, getting a little bit off track. But I meet this attorney and say, hey, doc, have you been sued? I said, no, you know, it's been 20 years, knock on wood. I have not been sued. I've been taking care of about 2,500 to 3,000 patients a year, and I've been doing this for 20 years. So that makes it 30,000 is 60,000 patients that I have taken care of. They said that you get sued in average once every 5,000 patients encounter. So that means that you're expected 
to be sued probably four to five times during your lifetime. And it's a matter of odds. It's not when you're going to be sued. It's if you're going to be sued. It's when you're going to be sued. Eventually it will happen. And, and this, this attorney says, Doc, the way you wake up every day to take care of patients is the same thing that I do. I wake up to sue doctors. So don't take it personal, dude, he tells me. If you get an, a subpoena, uh, notice on the mail by process delivery officer. Uh, don't don't get surprised. Uh, I need to make a living. I need to make money, and that's how American society it is. They don't care about your proceeding as a doctor. It is heartbreaking. It is devastating. I have seen friends that this destroyed their lives, and this is something that I have to work on because we doctors wake up every day to do our best and heal and help people, and these a holes on the other side are suing us for our proceedings because the American public, the customers, do not want any mistakes to be committed by any doctors. We practice very, very cover your ass medicine. That's what makes healthcare expensive. And we can talk more about that, the type of medicine that we practice in America, the unnecessary testing unnecessary blood work, unnecessary radiation, unnecessary consultations, just because these attorneys do not leave us alone. Another aspect, continuous medical certification, ongoing border credentialing, uh, licensing with the state, licensing in multiple states, how difficult it is to get licenses in some states like Florida, Texas, and California. Some other ones are easier, etc. There's so many aspects to this. And I'm going to tell you guys from day number one, from the day that you get your first document that ties you up with the United States healthcare system, make a folder. Make a folder of the letters of recommendations. Make a folder of your res resume. Update your resume. Keep it safe in a safe computer. Back it up. Print it. Put it away. Every single document that you get, the DEA license, the Florida or the state uh, drug uh, prescription license, your driver's license, your social security number, uh, your immigration documents, everything has to be properly organized and tabulated in an easy, accessible way because it's been 20 years that I've been in the United States and through this re-credentialing and ever ongoing process of credentialing with hospitals and institutions, you have to have all that data close to you and available immediately, readily, and easily. So keep a, a tap on your ACLS, PALS, BLS, be sure that you get it renewed, and, and all, every, all, all your documents have to be uh, safe. The flu vaccinations, the, the titers, etc. all the things that we need to get credentialed in the United States, keep it handy. So with all that being said, I think we're gonna take on into the next three episodes on this experiential review series of what is life in America and how to to become an amazing physician in the United States. Remember, uh, again, October 19th through the 23rd is the IMG Recognition Week by the American Medical Association because we do represent 26% of the United States workforce and we provide a very large proportion of care to rural and underserved areas. We are essential and 23.1% of the IMGs practice in underserved areas more than any other physician in the United States. I know that this will be a very long journey, but it will be a very fruitful and rewarding journey after all your years of training in the United States of America. Elections are across the the corner, uh, around the corner, and I voted. 
uh, is a secret vote, but it's a vote that doesn't give me many choices. This country is very controversial and politics and racism and abortion or not and all this nonsense that they talk about are crucial and I respect them. Anyway, stay in touch. Please leave me feedback. I'm going to try to finish this series before the end of the month. I hope you like it. If you don't, leave me feedback. And yes, guys, I'm here for you. Again, thanks for listening. And please share. Because remember, sharing is caring. And I say goodbye for now. Thanks. Thanks.